Well, happy new year, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to 2018 and what will be a vastly increased podcast program here on ecardinews.com. Of course, part of the new EKN radio network, which will be launching here in January. My name is Rob Howden, and I'm joined, as always, by David Cole as we begin what is episode number 13 of the EKN Debrief. Now, last year, this was kind of our primary podcast that we used where we talked about what was going on in the sport. Uh, David and I would go through some of the top stories on the website. We talked about Operation Grassroots. We'd look at some race reports, event calendar, that kind of thing. A lot. We just really covered a lot of stuff. With the EKN Radio Network now, we're expanding what we're going to be doing. There's going to be different podcasts, different shows. We've already had an Operation Grassroots. You're going to see the Industry Insider come as well. We'll discuss the sport with uh, some of the top people in the industry. We're going to have a kind of in-conversation interview series as well. A lot of different shows coming. So that gives us the opportunity to kind of evolve the debrief. Not so much evolve, but even tighten the focus, if you will. Well, we're actually going to debrief. We're going to pick the event that we were just at. Uh, David, of course, being at the WK Manufacturers Cup event as part of WK Cart Week in Daytona over the Christmas holidays. That'll be the focus for today. So throughout the season, in the 20 to 25, 26 races that David and I attend this year, it'll be part of the ECAN Trackside Live Tour. We will try to get right back into the office and kind of sit down and debrief what happened on the weekend, what we saw in terms of on track. We'll talk about the racing itself. Uh, if there was some kind of controversy, we'll look at that. But we'll just kind of debrief the weekend for you. If you weren't able to be there, we're going to be able to kind of bring you up close and personal to what happened at the racetrack. This week's show is being presented by Cartlift, American-made one-man motorized and manual cartlift stands, as well as traditional cart stands and stackers. Cartlift, handcrafted by carters for carters in the USA. Well, David, I've rambled on enough to start off 2018. You're the one that was uh, in the trenches. I think most people would have said, wow, you know, I'm so jealous. You go down to Florida, it's nice and warm. You know, obviously, it's unbelievably chilly up here in the north uh, where you are in Michigan, of course, myself here in Ontario, Canada. You didn't get that nice warm weather that you normally had, did you? No, the trip to the airport uh, was freezing cold. I mean, talking like below zero temperatures. And thankfully, when we arrived uh, that uh, move-in day, it was at least comfortable, you know, 60-degree weather that you, you kind of hope for in Florida. But the rest of the, of the event was uh, a bit chilly. Well, they had that kind of front coming through from the Gulf side that was super cold. And I know that when I when I tuned in to listen to the EKN Live broadcast with you and Eric, you know, the first thing you know I heard, and of course we saw it in your pho- uh, photography as well, was the fact that you actually got some rain. And cold weather is cold weather. You can bundle up. When it comes with that rain and, and moisture, man, it just bites right through you. I, was, I, was, I wasn't quite as jealous once, once I saw what you guys were dealing with come race day. No, I mean, the, the opening day, the move-in and practice day, it was, it was comfortable weather, so that was nice. But uh, after practice that night, uh, you know, I woke up the next day expecting to go to the racetrack. Uh, I was actually going to stop by the road racing part, but it, the ground was soaking wet, so uh, we had the rain move in. So everything started out uh, day one with uh, wet weather conditions. Uh, you know, road, road racing wasn't going on, and they delayed things on the dirt track. So um the sprint track, they were all on rain tires all the way up through almost through qualifying. So it was it was definitely a change. And and that whole first day was just cold, windy, cloudy. I mean, there was no sun peeking through any clouds. That was kind of the trouble. And that was not the typical Florida weather we were hoping for. Let's talk a little, little bit about the event itself, David. If there's uh, obviously some people uh, around the country that maybe are not totally familiar with WK Cart Week, it really is. Um, you know, now, now that we don't have the old North American karting championships, we used to have it uh, at Charlotte back in the day with the, the Euro guys coming over. This really is the most unique and diverse karting event that we have in the sport here in North America, right? You've got road race, you've got sprint and you've got dirt. It really is a fantastic event. So diverse and at a just an amazing facility as well. Well, anytime you talk Daytona, you, you pique the interest of any type of racer or anybody who loves speed. You know, Daytona has been, uh, you know, as a, a destination for a lot of people, whether it be karting or sports cars or any type of, of motorsports, even 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 bikes. Um, so it, it, Daytona is, is definitely a destination people want to go to. And, and with the Daytona cart week, we have the three unique events. You have the sprint track, 
inside NASCAR three and four, where I spent the majority of my time there. Uh, You have the road racing, which goes around the sports car course, which utilizes a lot of the high banks. And uh, that was kind of the catalyst for racing at uh, Daytona back in the 70s. That was the only event there at the time. Uh, And then they added the uh, dirt oval a few years, maybe a decade ago, somewhere, maybe maybe around there. And so now they've they've had the uh, the dirt world championships there. And uh, so you can you get all three different aspects of the sport, oval, road racing and sprint. And it's three completely different worlds. It's, it's kind of, it's funny to go from one paddock to another, to another. Cause you just, you know, it, especially, so you go around the oval and all you smell are different fumes from all these different trailers and, it's, and all the tire prepping and cutting going on. And then you go to the road racing and it's different fumes there, but it's, it's, it's got to get more relaxed, you know, everybody's just kind of, you know, chilling, relaxing and having a good time just being at the at the Daytona International Speedway. And then you go to the sprint side where it's everybody's bundled up and everybody's all bunkered in and nobody comes in this tent. And nobody nobody's allowed in that tent. And it's 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 very competitive <laughs> type atmosphere. But you still have the, the camaraderie. I mean, a lot. It's it's not a lot of there's still camaraderie no matter where you go, no matter what paddock you're in. It's just, it just each have its, each has its own distinct uniqueness. Yeah, there, there is a different culture. I I agree with you. I had, you know, I had time, I actually raced uh, in the dirt component of of cart week back in the early two thousands. And, you know, as you mentioned at a municipal stadium, it was a dirt track out there. Actually, I think it was like a seashell track. Is essentially what the track was. But once uh, Daytona built the new flat track, uh, just outside, I think it's what turn one, I believe, somewhere somewhere around turn one. There's a flat track, so they were able to bring the the dirt component right there as well. Everything nice and close. And as you said, David, you could essentially start at the dirt track, walk under, go through the sprint track, and then go into the uh, road race commu- uh, paddock. And it would be like you said, three completely different worlds, different mindsets, different cultures, different uh, different speed in which things happen at the track as well. And you're right, it's just. It's such a different opportunity. Let's let's focus the debrief though, because this is the the kind of the focus of what we're looking at. It is the Manufacturers Cup event. That's where, as you said, you spent most of your time. We had an EKN live broadcast uh, of all the action as well. There, um, let's start first and foremost with the entry numbers. You know, that's something I think anybody looks at when, when we talk about any event to, uh, these days. Is is who went? How many guys were there? And you know, back in the day when things were maybe a bit stronger with WK and the, maybe the sport on the whole, you got some pretty massive numbers. Uh, but to credit to the, the WK, they've shrunk down the, uh, the amount of classes on track. People are getting more track time. There's not the 20 classes a day kind of thing, Dave. And at over 250 entries a day, pretty impressive way to start the season for manufacturers cup. Yeah. The number is overall is very similar to what we had last year. Uh, we, we kind of look, you kind of look at it and it's, yeah, it's not what it used to be where guys were running five, six classes over three days. Because again, when, when yeah. it first moved to Daytona, uh, from Jacksonville, it was a three day event plus a practice day. So guys were able to kind of spread themselves out a little bit more. And there are obviously a little bit more options. I mean, cadets had three different engine packages they could run. Uh, at one time. So guys are running six classes. So it was a bit, uh, a bit busy for people. And, and the paddock was a little bit more full because you had to have more space for all those carts. And, and you don't see a lot yeah. of people doing double duty uh, anymore so much. Uh, we do, we do see that a little bit more through the WK program, but, uh, but just not as much as it used to be. But overall, I mean, the, the numbers were pretty strong. The, the IME categories were the strongest, obviously with, uh, 40 and both senior and junior uh, with both strong roster of drivers, uh, guys that, that have been on the national level for a number of years now. And so it was, it was a very competitive field in both senior and junior, but the growth is in the mini category where we're seeing a lot of the micro guys graduate now into the, the 10 to 12 age range now. So we had 45 in the mini swift, which was the highest (laughs) category uh, of the weekend. That's awesome to, to be able to see 
and you know, we talk about this all the time, Dave. When you have 45 in mini, you're just going to have that those guys going in it, X30 junior, whatever the junior category is. Those guys are going to move up. So that bodes well for the, the future of the series for sure. And I think you said 22 in micros, what I have down for the notes that you gave to me. Dude, when, you, when you've got three of your categories, over 40, that's a pretty solid program. Obviously, the IAMI uh, package really doing well in, in the WK Manufacturers Cup. But, you know, when you put 40 guys on that racetrack, that just – does it not just pump the buzz up because you get that many guys on the track? You can't help but get excited about the event in front of you. Without a doubt, but it also, you know, it amps up the the atmosphere a little bit because you guys are a little bit more intense. And we're talking kids. You know, these are these are again ten to twelve year olds. I mean, yeah, and a lot of them a lot of them have have their heads on their shoulders and they're pretty good. But uh, you know, there's still kids that are learning. So it, it's kind of a, a crazy little bit of an atmosphere out there on track. But for the most part, uh, the minis kept it kept it clean. There wasn't too many issues. The junior kids were uh, probably a little bit more erotic. They're not erotic, but erratic. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not erotic. Erotic. erratic. Erratic. Sorry. Um, but uh, I, th- I think when you have those bigger field sizes, you kind of tend to see that a little bit more. Yeah. What about, you know, and I think one of the, the talking points now is is, is obviously the, the uh, Yamaha uh contingent and, and where the Yamaha is going to fit into WKA. You know, we're seeing it, I, I believe, getting dropped from the USPKS this year in favor of the IME KA100. Can you give our listeners kind of an overview of, of your thoughts on what you saw at Daytona in terms of those two engine packages? Well, it was good to see the sportsman class get back to where it was last year, which was 20. We ended up with actually one more, so 23. Um, we saw that the, the, the numbers drop down uh, as the season went on in 2017. So to to see it start at 23 again kind of helps, but uh, it's another thing where we're going to have to gauge how it looks throughout the year because, hey, they may have just went to Daytona and not doing the whole season. So uh, you look at junior, junior, Yamaha junior is probably one of the most competitive categories we had throughout the 2017 season. And it was probably one of the best racing we saw throughout the year too. Um, it was fun to watch, but again, some of those guys have graduated now to the senior ranks. So some of those have left, but we still saw 21 drivers, which is a solid number. And it was pretty competitive there too. Uh, we saw a couple drivers get away, but, uh, overall, I mean, there were probably, I would say anywhere between eight to 10 drivers who had a shot of winning. And anytime you have a field that tight, um, that's, that's a good field. Uh, senior wise, um, you know, again, I think overall, when you look at the Yamaha package, it's still more of a regional and local program. I mean, some guys have had the same engine for maybe a decade. Uh, you just don't see that with the with the IME product, especially with the introduction of the the first Leopard and then the second Leopard and now the X30 where, you know, the engines just don't seem to last that long where the Yamaha, you kind of can make it last that long. So I think I think the Yamaha right now, and, and it's kind of what the WK is. It still kind of has that amateur type status where it's it's for the club and regional and national guys. It's for everybody. Uh, so that that's kind of what the Yamaha class has done. I, I, you know, I think it's going to make it through the 2018 season. But again, I think come maybe June, July, and August, we'll we'll kind of have to look and see where they're at. And, and I think WK is going to have to make a choice of continuing to support it or somehow manipulate it to where it's only a club and regional engine package. Yeah, that'll be something we're going to be watching for uh, most definitely. All right, folks, stay with us. We're just getting started with episode number 13 of the EKN Debrief, our first here in 2018. We're glad to have you with us. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break. Are you ready to start making money for winning races? Are you a club racer? Do you run a regional series? Are you focused on national events? It doesn't really matter because you're all eligible to start cashing in on your performances. Alpha Kart USA, the American importer of the Alpha Kart chassis, is changing the game with their new $1.5 million contingency purse program. That's right, we're going to pay out up to $1.5 million. Win a race? win money cold hard cash buy a new alpha cart tiger 40 or storm evo along with a team suit from dams inc and alpha cart usa and you'll set yourself up 
to support your racing program. With our program, national event victories will pay from $1,250 to $3,000 to win. Regional races will pay from $750 to $1,250 to win. And club races will pay $250 to win. Some of the series included are the Scusa Winter Series and Pro Tour, the United States Pro Kart Series and Route 66 Series, the California and Texas Pro Kart Challenge, the Rock Cup Florida Winter Tour, Challenge of the Americas, Rock Festival, and Rock the Rio, the Gear Up F Series, and astonishingly, every single club across the United States. It's time to race for money, not trophies. Win on an Alpha Kart, and we'll support your program. For full details and requirements, head to damsinc.com. That's D-A-M-Z-I-N-C.com. Are you ready to get the 2018 season started? If you're like us, we're ready to get out of the snow and back to the track. Franklin Motorsports is a leader in the karting industry with over 50 years of combined karting experience. We can provide you with everything you need to go racing. With a large online product selection, select track support events, and a wide variety of shop services, Franklin Motorsports is your complete karting source. We specialize in IAMI engines, tilt seats, and of course, our championship-winning Merlin chassis. If you're ready to take your racing to the next level, come join us at Team FMS. We've been supplying racers with start-to-finish support at race events for many years. From providing a helping hand at a weekday test outing or a club event, to full arrive-and-drive packages at the highest level of karting competition. For 2018, we'll be attending the Scusa Winter Series and Pro Tour, the United States Pro Kart Series, and the Route 66 Karting Series. For all things karting, visit franklincart.com. Welcome back, EKN listeners, to our first podcast of 2018. Going to be part of the EKN Radio Network, which is going to launch uh, here in January. Uh, Rob Howden alongside David Cole. David kind of quarterbacking this one here because he was the guy on the ground at Daytona International Speedway between Christmas and New Year's for the opening round of the WK Manufacturers Cup. Uh, David, let's uh, let's jump into what, let's call it the Paddock Pass. Uh, what were things like in the paddock? What did you see? What was the atmosphere? I know there was some star power down there. Let's. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on paddock wise? How were things? Uh, you know, the atmosphere in the pit area. A lot of coats and a lot of winter hats. <laughs> so now, so we're going to start with uh, with the uh, who wore it well. What, you know, it's like red carpet. A lot of coats. We, we, of- we, sh- we should have had our EKN gear uh, <laughs> down there because we we would have sold out of all the the sweatshirts and the hats and the hats. beanies and the dukes. And everything that was worn. Uh, yeah, well, like I said, watching it on uh, through social media and listening to Eric talk about it on uh, on the EK Live broadcast, yeah, it was a little chilly, a little chilly, no yeah. doubt about it. Now, uh, star power wise, was kind of you know, it's always cool to see uh, the dads in there of some of the guys that you know have gone racing in the past. We had, of course, one uh, one Pablo Montoya and his son Sebastian were there. Uh, Emerson uh, Fittipaldi was there as well. You know what, David, you and I have had the conversation many times about what karting is really all about. And it's an opportunity for parents, whether it's mom and dad or mom and son or or mom and daughter, whatever it may be, to go to the track, work together. And, you know, you and I, we both agree how much we love watching dad on the wrenches or mom on the wrenches because there's that connection. And it it was for me, it was cool. I wish I was there to see it. And I've I've seen it before, but to see Juan Pablo there with Sebastian getting a, a race win, that's that's really for us, I think, and I probably you would probably agree what karting is all about in, in certain terms. Well, yeah, and it's not like he's he's a dad paying somebody to do all the jo- all yeah. the work. He's doing it himself. I mean, he's been he was behind every everything from mixing the fuel to to getting registration set up, and and he was just he was kind of just all over the place, just like you would see with Bill Lemke or Eddie Jarza crack. Yeah. Or Scott Kalish, or one of the many other father-son duos that we we've seen come from the cadet ranks all the way up to to the senior ranks. So it, it's funny to see Juan kind of in that position where he, I'm sure you see him, you know, at the IndyCar races, kind of just as the driver, and 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 the, mm-hmm. the dad who's bringing along the kids to come enjoy enjoy the the IndyCar races. But 
I mean, he, you know, walking through the paddock at night because again, it's night by five thirty, so everything's <laughs> we we got, we got to be off, yeah. off the racetrack by about five forty five before it's pitch dark. Uh, you know, we we do the podiums in the dark, and so after the podiums to walk around the paddock, and and there he is under the easy easy up, you know, with the light over the cart, still plugging away at it uh, after day <laughs> after their day one victory. I mean that that's that's what it's about, and he, he you know he. He's put the time and effort into making Sebastian a, a good driver, and you know he's out at the racetrack with him. I'm probably guessing every week, at least at least once a week. So, yeah, I love it. I love it. Now, you know, another thing I, I really enjoyed watching, and I think, and kudos to Margay for however they put it together because uh, karting the Manufacturers Cup, the Margay Ignite program got a lot of exposure uh, through the participation of Gabby Chavez, Juan Pedrojita. And Zach Veach, of course, Veach and Chavez running in the Verizon IndyCar series this year. I know in talking to Juan Pedrojita, he's very close to putting together a 500 ride for the Indianapolis 500. But they were all racing in the Margay Ignite series, and of course, we talk. You know, you, you know, David, we talked about Gabby Chavez. You'd probably have to go back to his his uh, cadet days in terms of how to drive that car. But he was a guy. There was a guy that used to run the cadet class at the WK Manufacturers Cup. But to have these IndyCar drivers and Indy Lights drivers uh, in the paddock and part of the action, man, did it ever develop a lot of, of of marketing and PR in terms of racer magazine, whoever IndyCar covering it. But must be it was kind of cool to have them probably under the tent in the Margay paddock as well. Well, going into their big circus tent because they had what over thirty-three drivers just the Ignite program plus their their regular Manufacturers Cup racers as well. So they had a lot yeah. of lot of carts under their tent. Um, you know, yeah, it had kind of you know they had their they were in their own spot, so there was a lot of attention uh, drawn that way. You know, guys just kind of looking over, and but it was good to see. Uh, Gabby and Zach and Juan kind of talking with all the different drivers, you know, going over setups and, you know, how the cart feels. And, you know, because as we as we said before, Gabby has a lot of experience in a cart. Uh, he's yeah. a Super Nats winner. Uh, so that that alone, yeah. you know, puts him at, at a pedestal above a lot of other cart racers that we've had in the sport. So Gabby, Gabby knows what he's talking about when he's talking about the cart. And, yeah, he kind of kind of compared it to racing a cadet cart where it had the low horsepower and the harder tires. So it was, it took them back to that age, but um, yeah, they were very cordial with everybody, you know, talked, talked a lot with a lot of people, but the the one thing that stood out was how competitive they were. You know, this wasn't, this wasn't just like a corporate (laughs) outing, you know what I mean? Where you go out there, you make some laps, you shake some hands, you kiss the babies, blah, blah. This was a competitive three days for them. They were there to win. There, there were, there was no doubt about it. You could see it in their eyes that they were there to win. It was not, yeah, they wanted to have a good time and put on a good show, but they wanted to win. And you could see it in the way where they were driving too, because there wasn't a bumper that probably wasn't scar- scratched up or whatever. Cause I mean, they, they put it to him and Zach, you know, Zach had a great drive from behind uh, after on day two, I believe after his win on day one and and Gabby put it to him in day 2 but uh, they they both wanted to win and Juan you know I I'm not sure on his karting background I know he's done some karting in in his youth but um you know he 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 was battling hard as much as as the other two as well to to uh to be as quick as as he possibly could well, I'm not real surprised that they were pretty competitive. You got to remember the situation. We're not talking about a, a couple of you know 10, 15 year IndyCar veterans with you know locked and loaded uh, rides, and they've been getting paid for the last couple of years. You know these these guys, with Gabby and Zach, and of course Juan, trying to do the same thing, scratching for everything they can to go racing. They didn't fly down on a corporate jet. They didn't even fly down on a regular plane. These three guys hopped on the car and drove down by themselves. So. You know, you think about driving from Indianapolis down to Daytona and then having to go back. If you didn't win, let's say they finished outside the top ten, you know, that's going to be a pretty solemn drive on the way back on the way back home. But they win a couple of races, so they they probably cruised home feeling pretty good about themselves. Yeah, it's a, it was a road trip with some friends, but uh, when they got there, it was yeah, every, all bets are off, and it was everyone for themselves. I think. All right, David, give us an update on the overall uh, atmosphere of the weekend. I know that I know that uh, WK had a new tire distribution program as well. They uh, the number system I think uh, debuted as well. T- give us some more insight on what happened paddock wise and event wise. Yeah, the, the tire distribution is 
is a, is a, it's kind of a very similar to what you see with Scusa and what you see at Rotax and a lot of other national level events where, you know, WKs within their entry fee is providing the race tires rather than what they've done for ever since the series has been going on, where you bring your own tires in and you just report which tires you're running. So it, it was kind of a, a curveball for everybody, something that a lot of the WK racers are not used to. Uh, but you know, and they had some they had some hiccups. Uh, WK did with with the distribution of the tires, but uh, they remedied that by the end of the day and and end of the event. So that's something that we'll have to watch as the series goes on to see uh, that they lock that system down. I know a lot of other programs have been doing it for so long that it's kind of like second nature to where they're able yeah. to do that. Um, but. You know, and, and and again, with the racers, it was kind of a 50-50. Some like it, some don't. Uh, it kind of removes the perception of, you know, special tires or these this, this group's getting these tires and this group's getting worse tires and this and that. Where, so it, it hopefully is going to remove that perception. Um, but, and again, a lot of, you know, talking with some shops, some shops are for it, some shops are against it. Some shops liked, you know, getting that uh, extra revenue of, of selling the race tires where some are just, they didn't want the hassle of it. You know, they didn't want to pack the trailer full of tires for all their racers where they only had to worry about practice tires. So it's kind of a 50, 50 right now. So I think, I think we'll learn more about where we're at with that at the end of the year to see uh, if it's a plus or if it's a minus. Yeah, we'll make sure to check back in on that, David. And I mentioned as well, a new number system making its debut. Do you want to give us some input on that? Yeah, it, the, uh, the WK is kind of following what SCUS is doing and what other organizations have done with, uh, you know, the, you have your numbering systems, like say Micro is everything between 1 and 99. Mini Swift is 100 through 199. You're very similar to what SCUS has yeah. done, Rotax has done, Rock has done, a lot of the other uh, organizations. So again, it's something new for WK racers. Some are used to it. Some, some weren't even ready for it. So some had to go buy some numbers and this and that, but, um, you know, overall, when you're looking at it, you kind of, you know, I, I kind of miss, I forgot about it with all the road tax races that we've gone to. And I forgot what it looks like to see, you know, the similar numbers. So you kind of, it, yeah, there's three numbers you got to look at, but you kind of just focus on those last two, so, and it makes it a little bit more, um, visually, uh, nice, not, not nicer, but, uh, easier to, uh, to look at, but, and then you also know, okay, well that cart's in this class and that cart's in this class. So it's kind of like, uh, kind of like road racing where we used to do that back in the day where everything was numbered, uh, sequentially. Uh, but again, it's just yeah. something that racers are, will, will need to get used to. I, I don't think there were too many complaints of maybe one or two about it. But uh, other than that, it was. Uh, I think it'll be uh, a win for, for everybody. Let's look inside the paddock of the WK Manufacturers Cup opener at the Daytona International Speedway, part of WK Cart Week. David Cole giving us the update. Of course, David was trackside throughout the weekend, handling the EK and live trackside coverage. Let's go to another break here, ladies and gentlemen. On the other side, we're going to have David talk racing. Let's find out who was fast. Let's find out who won some races. It'll be our race report from the WK Manufacturers Cup on episode 13 of the debrief after these messages. Are you looking for a new card shop? One that treats you like you're an important customer? If so, look no further than Acceleration Car Racing. At Acceleration, customer service is number one. We are a full-time carding business, not a hobby or an afterthought. We have all the products you're looking for, from kit carts to shifters, safety to speed. We strive to offer our customers the best products, prices, and service. At Acceleration Kart Racing, we're always here when you need something for your racing program. Located in Las Vegas, Acceleration is stocked with a wide range of products. We've been helping racers get the right parts for over 16 years. Acceleration has everything that a kart racer needs, from turnkey carts to safety equipment, engines and more, stocking all of the leading kart racing brands. Here's a taste of the products that we carry every day. CRG, Tony Kart, Bennett, Rotax, Honda, IAMI, MG Tires, Zinco, Bridgestone, Mojo, Alpine Stars, Sparco, Ribtech, and EVS. 
Tiller, Micron, Alfano, Bell, Arai, Zamp, KG, Sniper, Sweet Tech, and KNN. It doesn't matter where you live in the country, we will get you what you need so you can get back on the track. Acceleration has a sufficient supply of products to ensure that your order can be shipped the very same day. Our knowledgeable staff is available to help customers six days a week, and ordering online is open 24 hours a day at shopakr.com. For visitors and locals in the Las Vegas area, Acceleration has a large showroom full of the best kart racing products available. Come on in and check it out. To find out more about what Acceleration has to offer, visit shopakr.com. Again, shopakr.com. And make sure to sign up to be on our mailing list to receive the latest updates and promotions that we send throughout the season. Again, we're a one-stop shop. Shopakr.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 13 of the EKN Debrief, our new, uh, let's say, evolved podcast, more focused podcast. We're going to have a, a bunch of different shows this year on the new EKN Radio Network, which was going to debut later here in January. Uh, the Debrief is going to focus right in on looking at just a particular event that David and I, one or either of us, were at on that weekend. So we'll come back, we'll give you the Debrief. And if you weren't able to be there, we're going to give you a lot of information to kind of bring you up to speed on what happened at the event. David, uh, time to jump into the race report. Let's actually talk about what happened on the racetrack. Uh, I listened to a lot of the coverage as I was working here in the office uh, throughout that, the event. And man, the, the racing just seemed like it was hardcore. There were some guys that stepped up and were able to kind of walk away and dominate as well, which is impressive. But overall, man, just some really good racing in all the categories. It was very good. The uh, I th- like I think obviously the ignite. You know some of the bigger classes were 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 fun to watch because they're not necessarily racing for the lead, but uh, a lot of the the mid pack races that you saw that you you like to see with the, the bigger fields. But uh, there were a lot of uh, like you said guys who were able to walk away with uh, with victories that we weren't expecting, uh, and one of them was Teddy Wilson in the ex Miami senior class. Uh, basically came out of nowhere. We had no, I had no idea who he was. Uh, <laughs> I had to, I had to start Googling his name, stuff like that. When, when all of a sudden I'm like, who is this guy? And on day one final just popped up and, uh, you know, it, it got a British driver came over, raced for the Jay Howard race, uh, MDD team. And, um, just hadn't been in a cart in probably, I think he said two years or give or take, you know, a few months here or there, wow. but, uh, was over here doing doing some some car testing and and they convinced him to uh, to go to Daytona and race and it, in his first race in the United States he wins. <laughs> <laughs> Way to add to the resume, nicely done. It, and it, it well and it wasn't it wasn't a dominant win. It was just you know again the day one started with a wet track so he qualified outside the top ten. And he just c- gradually made his way through the pre-final towards the front of the field and then the final hit and it. it you know, they just, they hit the right setup. I mean, he was two tenths quicker than McCusker towards the end of the race and just was, was able to be dominant in the, in the last few laps to, to walk yeah. away to victory. So, uh, it was, uh, it was a pretty impressive drive. You know, X30 senior, as you said, David, 40 drivers and, you know, it was, it was one of those events, as I said, I, while I was working here, and I'm sure everybody else who was watching race monitor, you know, I was scrolling up and down through race monitor to try to find out where some of these drivers are. You lose somebody. But as I scrolled down, there was just so many strong drivers. And, of course, A.J. Myers uh, for TB Cart USA, just one of the guys that has been really one of the the, pre- the premier drivers in America over the last, what, five years probably really has, where he has really shown his way to be up front. Yeah, Myers was on day two was able to uh, repeat as a victor uh, last year, winning in Daytona the first race. Uh, so 366 days instead of 365 days, he was able to repeat uh, in Daytona. And again, he was kind of, you know, he was fast on on Friday or practice day, sorry. And uh, but uh, had some had some issues on day one that kept him out of the hunt and then came back in day two. Kind of the same thing where he was he was lurking there, lurking there. And then, boom, in the final, just everything clicked for him. And he and he took off and was determined not to fail this time. And was able to uh, to uh, move to the move to the lead and then take the take the victory. 
We t- I talked about about the the dominance as well, you know. And again, listening in, you could you could hear based on some of the lap times of what guys were doing in splits. Man, Kardashian, let's talk about him a little bit. This kid has really developed into a pretty solid driver. For sure. Uh, you know, last year he did a lot of double duty. I mean, he is a former WK champion, so he's been there before. Um, yeah. It, but yes, I think he's getting a little bit more. He's getting more and more consistent. Like he was able, he's always been able to th- kind of throw down a lap here or there. But now I think he's he's get, he's understanding the racecraft, especially in the IME category. But uh, in but he's he's getting more consistent with his with his driving. So uh, a fourth on day one was was phenomenal for him but uh obviously winning both yamaha uh senior classes was good but but to add in another top 10 uh on day two in iami just kind of overall was a solid weekend for him the i the yamaha category i mean the the wins there were just dominant i mean he just it was him and pesic last year and eves and a couple other drivers here and there that would always be battling for the win but uh in daytona it was it was clearly just him in a, in a different zip code, basically, if you want to say that. David, you and I already mentioned talking about the IndyCar drivers who came down to run the Margate night uh, dash at Daytona, uh, Gabby Chavez and Zach Veach. Good, great wins for both of them. But, you know, the driver who was right in there as well, who has become really one of the top Ignite drivers in the U.S. I'll say in the U.S., but you can't even say that because she's from near Ottawa, Canada, up here in Ontario, Charlotte Lalonde. She was going for the double, and I was excited about the double, and that was winning at Indianapolis. She won the Battle of the Brickyard. Could she win the Dash at Daytona as well? I think when it comes to the uh, the Ignite program, you know, David, you and I talked, there's those kind of three big races, right? There's Rock Island, there's the Battle of the Brickyard, and there's Daytona. She she was right in the hunt all weekend long uh, to try to see if she could, she could do that double and win at both at both of the two iconic racetracks for the you know IndyCar series and for, of course, NASCAR. Yeah, Charlotte was there. She raced – Beach throughout day one, they were both going back and forth, and then day two it was her and Chavez that were both back and forth. It was it was it was a spin in uh, the day two final that cost her uh, on the opening lap. She was starting outside, I believe, and uh, just got just kind of got shoveled off into the marbles and spun around, and that that cost her a chance at victory. But um, you know, not only Charlotte was a uh, doing trying to do the double, but Jordan Burnlower. Uh, winning Rock Island this past year over yeah. over myself and some other drivers, but uh, <laughs> I was going to throw you under the yeah, bus, Dave. I but threw myself. You know, good for you. You got you got out there in front of it. That's that's proactive. I'm impressed. But uh, you know, Jordan. I mean, he he is one of the top ignite drivers. I think if you put Charlotte and him together, those are probably the top two uh, that have done the ignite program over the last couple of years. You know, he won at Rock Island. He was there again. He was there at Daytona last year, like running the the, the normal 206 program with an Ignite cart, uh, almost almost battling for the overall win. Then um, he just didn't quite have enough this time, but was on the podium both days, so it was a, a respectable showing for him. Um, but uh, yeah, he, so he'll have to wait another year to try and do the double uh, if he can if he can do it again. <laughs> Let's hey, let's see if we can get. Well, I was gonna say if we can get Chavez and Veach to try the Brickyard to do the double, but no, we're at uh, we're at Iowa Speedway, I believe that weekend, the same weekend as the Battle of the Brickyard, so we won't be able to get those boys to come out and play. Now, David, you talked about X Thirty Junior and being what forty drivers. Uh, there's a ton of talent in that category as well, especially down in Daytona. It was uh, it was a good field of juniors. Talk about the guys that were able to step up there. Well, as we talked about, Montoya was able to secure his first U.S. big national major victory uh, in the junior ranks. He moved up a little bit last year and uh, came to Daytona. wasn't really one of the favorites uh, coming out of qualifying. Uh, just he, he looked like he was fast, but just but it was Zane Maloney, Tyler Maxson. Those were kind of the two guys that kind of stood out. But Montoya was able to to fight his way through the pre-final. Uh, get closer to the front of the field, and then on my main event time, like it, it just again, they found that they had the right setup. Was the quickest card on the racetrack, and he was able to hold off Tyler Maxson in in the CRG to uh, to score the victory. But Maloney was right there in the third spot. Uh, Margay's Spike Kohlbecker was fourth. Uh, so a lot of lot of strong drivers right there. And then day two, we moved over, 
it was kind of anybody's anybody's race to win because it was it was kind of just all over the place with Maloney on uh, Maloney and uh, Gonz- Tyler Gonzalez. Um, those two were up front. They were kind of battling back and forth in the prefinal. Nothing too too close, but in the final, they got really close at one time. Uh, going into turn one, uh, Gonzalez tried to pass, and Maloney just shut the door, and that was kind of the winning moment uh, for for Maloney, who won again last year. So now that's two wins in in two two years for uh, for the Barbados driver, who uh, who obviously was shown a lot of imp- uh, who had a lot of impressive results uh, this year in Europe, uh, finishing fifth in the CIK uh, World Championship. Yeah, he's definitely one to watch, I think. He, he looked good at the Supernats as well in Vegas. So, yeah, I think we'll keep an eye on Maloney uh, throughout the 2018 season. Uh, David, you talked about a sweep of Yamaha uh, by uh, Alex Kardashian. What about uh, a couple of guys sweeping in KA100 and Microswift? Uh, to be able to sweep, I think, at Daytona, it, it, you know, that's an impressive feat. To be able to go in there against the competition that is there on a tough track, and it's I know it's tough to pass at, at Daytona, but, man, a couple guys able to get uh, sweeps of the weekend as well, right? Well, that was one thing with Colin Neal in the KA100 class. Nobody passed him. I mean, he led every session, every lap, even though how close. It was It was weird because the, the field was really close, and I think that's one of the cool things about this new KA100 package. The engines are very close. You kind of, it's it was at Daytona. It was two seconds slower than an X thirty, and then two seconds faster than a Super Can. So it kind of had that middle ground uh, where, and it, it, it'll be interesting to see how it develops throughout the year and how many people jump on board with it. I know it's getting some West Coast attention right now, uh, so we'll see if if the numbers start increasing for that. But but for Neil, Neil was on the VME cart, uh, so a couple yeah. couple big wins for the VME cart. I don't think they've won at Daytona before. So, but Neil, a new team too, right? Dave, new team, VMA Cart USA as well. That's pretty impressive for the brand new squad to come out and, and put a couple wins in. And, and also, Neil is a uh, is a uh, first year senior driver. So this was his first senior weekend, first time, <laughs> first time in the KA, winning both races. So uh, it was it was pretty impressive to see him do that. But yeah, so it was it was a close field, but he was able to lead throughout the throughout the weekend. And then in Bear, Ben Mayer's uh, situation, the Micro Swift. Uh, just, you know, the nitro cart in the cadet categories has been very strong and throughout 2017. And I think it's going to be just as strong in 2018. So he's one of the more experienced drivers in that micro field. So I think there you're going to see experience really shine throughout the year. We got more race reports coming up from David Cole, who was trackside at the WK Manufacturers Cup opener at Daytona International Speedway in late December. Uh, we'll be right back, folks, here on the EKN Debrief. Stay with us. More to come here on EKN. In December of 1998, Supercarts USA launched the inaugural Florida Winter Tour. It was something new, and it caught the attention of many. The program has evolved over the years with different promoters and formats, but this year it will all return to its roots as Scusa debuts their new winter series. It's Florida Karting. Scusa style. Supercarts USA Winter Series is a two-weekend program designed to offer a fantastic tune-up schedule for stock Honda and IAMI racers on the East Coast. Briggs 206 racers will play a role in the action as well. Scusa is offering a tremendous prize package to the top three in the stock Honda and IAMI categories, including trips to the IAMI International Final in France, entry and tire packages for the 2018 Scusa Pro Tour, the Super Nationals, and the California Pro Car Challenge. On January 12th to the 14th, the new series will debut at AMR Homestead Miami Motorplex with a double header at the upgraded facility, which has been the home to so many great winter events over the years. Scusa will return to the beautiful Ocala Grand Prix circuit on February 9th to the 11th for the double header finale. If you're focusing on a Scusa Pro Tour effort in 2018, or you just want to get out of the cold, Get the season started off right at the Supercarts USA Winter Series. Registration is open now. Warm weather, great facilities, top competition, and the same Scusa product that is the benchmark for the sport. For more info, head to supercartsusa.com. Welcome back to the race report section of our EKN Debrief. 
episode number 13, a new focused debrief that will look at one race and one race only. Uh, David Cole giving us the insight on what happened down at Daytona. David, uh, more to come. Let's let's talk about Yamaha Sportsman. What do you got there? Well, that class was won by two different drivers. Uh, Connor Zilich, a Rock Cup International Final champion um, and a Super Nationals yeah. winner. So Zilich is probably among the top cadet drivers in the country, if not the world, if you want to say that. <laughs> yeah, true enough. Uh, but he, yeah, he was able to to get away in the uh, day one final. Uh, that again, this is the Yamaha Sportsman category, very close with a lot of good drivers in there. Uh, day two, it was Zilich and Logan Adams that were kind of locked away, locked up, and got away from the field. But uh, Adams was able to prevail and keep Zilich at bay. Uh, taking the checkered flag for his first win for the 2018 season. Uh, I know he wants to win the championship this year. His brother Garrett won it in 2017. So I think they'd like to see a uh, Adams back-to-back championship for those two. Continue on. Let's uh, let's have a look at Yamaha Junior. You know, we talked about the Yamaha categories, David. You said there there were some solid numbers, even though not up in the forties where we saw you know the Miami categories. But the Yamaha class did have still some good numbers, always some good racing. Just a lot of great young talent in the Yamaha category. Well, the the Yamaha category definitely provides an opportunity to see some of this younger talent develop. Uh, we've, we're seeing that with Caden Worf. Uh, this is now his second year in the junior ranks. We always saw him as a top cadet racer. So now he's he's kind of getting his, uh, his feet wet in the junior ranks, and now he's able to get his first junior win in the Yamaha category. So that was, and it was no easy feat because he had a, he had a big group behind him, including defending champion, Tyler Ferris, uh, and a couple other drivers that were uh, up front with them. Uh, but then day two, we saw Spike Kohlbecker and the Margay able to get away from, from all the uh, the battling for the second spot and, and earn his first win since the 2015 Cart Week event. So, uh, uh, you know, again, we're going we're gonna to see a number, probably see a number of drivers step up and win in this category like we did last year. And, and see a number of drivers battle for the championship when uh, when we come to the end. You know, with all the races we go to, David, I I, I find it. So I, I feel like we're blessed to be able to watch these young drivers develop. You know, we see these kids come through the cadet categories. Uh, now we'll call them micro and, and mini, whatever it may be. And you see these kids start kind of working their way through the ranks, and you can kind of pick out some of the ones that get that feel for racecraft early. It's it's not so much about somebody making a move and they're trying to block or they're coming over to pinch down. It's the guys that really understand the racecraft that they don't need to make a pass here. They, if they get passed, it's okay. They can come back. I love seeing that racecraft kind of develop. And the, the two kids that were able to win in the mini swift category, I think are two that we can definitely put that tag on. They're really getting a good feel of racecraft and not surprising able to find their way to the front of the pack in Daytona. Yeah, among them are the two winners in the mini swift category, Mateo Rubio Luengo uh, and Brent Cruz. Uh, Mateo, an, a micro graduate, uh, we saw him move up last year at the USPKS race at the finale because he he already clinched the micro championship. So uh, he he's got he's got a lot of racing under his belt. Uh, we saw him at the IME International Final, uh, battling with with Cruz, who actually won the event. So uh, to have two world world title winners at the WK Daytona cart week was pretty cool. Not only having the IndyCar drivers, but world world karting title winners as well too. So, uh, uh, it, so yeah, there, other than these two, I mean, there were, you know, you had Zillage, you had a lot of other, the Adam Logan Adams again as well in, in both the Yamaha and mini category, a lot of young drivers that, that, that definitely have the potential to move up through the karting ranks and into the motorsports world. Uh, but the, the mini swift was one, again, 40 driver or 45, sorry, drivers on the field. So, uh, it, it was, a, it was a lot, there's a lot of action going on. And, and I think Mateo had the opportunity to win both races, except he had a penalty in the pre-final, which took him from the pole position all the way down to, I believe 34th. Yeah. So, uh, so he had the opportunity, but, uh, unfortunately that penalty cost him and put him in the back of the main main uh main event grid but we did see uh it was a pretty uh, amazing drive by uh jeremy fletcher uh coming from 33rd all the way to fourth and probably if he had a couple more laps might have been able to battle for the podium 
that's pretty solid for him to be able to work his way up there like that. I think he had a pretty solid run coming through the, uh, at uh, the Super Nationals as well. So a couple of good runs for Fletcher. And, and you know, we, we talk a lot about the fact that sometimes it's better for a young driver to to start at the back and have to actually pass some guys to get them their way back to the front as opposed to just starting pulling and running away with it. I think a lot more development when you get put in the back like that and you really have to pick and choose your passing. So there's your race report here on the EKN Debrief. David Cole giving you the full rundown. Uh, WK Manufacturers Cup, David, not getting going again until March 23rd, 24th, 25th. You'll be there at GoPro Motorplex in Mooresville, North Carolina. Always attractive race as well. Uh, lots of great stuff on the docket right now. Let's have a look, a quick look at the race calendar for January. Race calendar brought to you by 3G Kart Racing, the Supercarts USA Pro Tour winning kart shop and race team located in Katy, Texas. January 12th, 13th, 14th, uh, just over a week away, the Supercarts USA Winter Series, the inaugural Winter Series, uh, gets fired up at the AMR Homestead Miami Motorplex presented by MG Tires. Of course, that's in Homestead, Florida, part of that two-weekend series. And then two weeks later, let's go from one coast to the other, Florida, all the way over to Arizona to the Phoenix Kart Racing Association facility, uh, the PKRA track. Uh, for the Challenge of the Americas, Andy Saisman's program, that's uh, January 26th, 27th, 28th. And David, that's going to be interesting because uh, a brand new engine package coming out. That's a series that Andy has run for so many years so successfully, uh, which has uh, really developed a, a loyal following. Just such a great time whether you're racing, whether you're a family member, whether you were there covering it, just the atmosphere that Andy presents is just is one that draws people to come and have a good time. It goes from Rotax to Rock. They're going to have some Briggs 206 again, but David, it's going to be a Rock Cup uh, event. This could be interesting to see uh, what kind of numbers we get, but there is a pretty solid little Rock to, uh, kind of, let's say, movement happening on the West Coast. Well, not only that, uh, I believe he's getting a lot of attention for the Briggs categories, the senior yeah. and junior categories. Uh, guys coming down from Canada, guys coming from Colorado, Pacific Northwest. So it it uh, it, it should be a pretty good time in, in Phoenix. Yeah, I know that the guys from K&K West, uh, the, uh, the West Coast Canadian shop for the K&K chassis, which is very big in Ontario and the East Coast of Canada, uh, they're going to be coming down to Phoenix as well. So, yeah, I think there's going to be a pretty solid Briggs category there. Uh, it should be fun. I know that uh, we're looking forward to getting there, as we always are. Uh, I'll be heading down to the Scusa Winter Series race, leaving the uh, next Thursday to be there. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Of course, both of those events, part of the EK and Trackside Live Tour here for 2018. Anywhere between, I think, 22 and 26 races on the tour this year. We are, David, stepping up into serious rock band status. We are, uh, we're, putting, we're putting in the mileage this year. This one goes to 11. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is none more black. Uh, David, let's wrap things up. Final thoughts from the WK Manufacturers Cup race. You, you can give us your full thoughts on you know the road races. Well, I know you got a chance to go over to, to talk to some of the road race guys. I still say... When it comes to karting, I love, you know, we both love all the different kinds of carts, but for sheer sex appeal, a badass lay down, you know, open cart. That cart of Rick Folks's looks so good on the track, so good in, in, in pictures as well. That thing is just an absolute rocket. Sexy, baby. Yeah. Definitely. Give me your thoughts. Give me your thoughts on the weekend. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I think their numbers were about the same as last year. Uh, again, it's, <clears throat> excuse me. It's, it's, you know, it's just like anything in karting. It's about getting new people out there, and especially in road racing, getting new people out there is the only way it's going to grow. Uh, they're starting, you know, <laughs> talking with Keith Freeber of Margay. You know, he's one of the younger ones there. <laughs> that 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 says a lot because he's been in the sport yeah. a long time. So I think you're starting to see a little bit more uh, with the, the two SX package is is able to come over and and hit the long tracks. So uh, that's kind of getting a little bit of new blood in. Obviously, you still have the tag pa tag categories you can come over and race those. The shifter packages are there. I, we're starting to see a lot of the uh, the older guys uh, racing the road racing in shifter carts. It's a little bit easier for them rather than uh, trying to bang out bang the six gears, busting up their ribs and and just wearing their bodies down where they can't even go to work on Monday. So. Um, Hey, you know, Dave, you know, the funny thing is it's a cross-section too, right? I saw that. I think Stephen Flat won one right. of the uh, shifter races. But it was great to see Tiffany Fisher back out there racing as well. There's a mom out there just busting the boys big time. Yeah, yeah. 
she said she had the ability to win. They just they kind of missed the setup a little bit because of the practice and being rained out, so they didn't have much time to to do uh, all the testing they wanted to do. But uh, yeah, it, it's moms are racing, old grandpas are racing, uh, <laughs> young kids are racing. Uh, you know, they, they they brought the cats over for for the second year in a row, so they they saw a lot of you know kids that don't normally race on big tracks were were able to hit the high ranks in in their two hundred six carts. So. It, it still has that cool factor, you know, it, it really does. But again, you know, talking with people on the sprint track, you know, it's, it's those walls, it scares the crap out of them. And I just, you know, I understand it, but I don't understand it at the same time. You know, I, it, yeah, I don't want to hit the wall either, but the, the, the object is not to hit the wall, but to go fast and, and have fun. <laughs> and, you know, so it, it's, it, it's still something where, you know, us in the sport, everybody in the sport is still trying to understand how do we get more people in and it's working, but it's not working. I still say uh, of all the times I've gone racing, you look at some of the, the, the events that, that I look back at, they're the ones that I absolutely loved. You know, my, my first shifter cart race, my first ever race ever was massive. Of course, got a chance to run my first time I ever raced a street circuit. The Barry Grand Prix was big. The first time I ever ran a shifter uh, at the Florida winter tour. Um, first time I ever ran dirt at the speedway at the municipal stadium and, and cart week, but I still will go back to that first time I ever ran a road race, uh, in my CTS one twenty five shifter at mid Ohio in the rain. I think it was the first day. Oh my God. It was just, it was the most fun. If you have a shifter cart and you haven't road raced yet, do yourself a favor. I don't care if you lift in some of the corners cause it's too fast. Just get out there and enjoy yourself. Cause it's so yeah, those on the West fun. coast, go to the, uh, Mazda Laguna Seca race, uh, coming up in March. Yeah. Uh, Tom Kutcher of Scusa went there. He said he loved it. He, he'd go there every year. <laughs> you know, that there's sand pits there. They won't hit, you won't hit the wall. You'll hit the sand pit first. <laughs> but, uh, but, but speaking of sand, I was going to say, I was kind of going to get into the dirt a little bit. Um, the last year's track looked horrible um bumps and and just it just didn't look like it was a fun track to drive but this year it looked it looked smooth the wk put a lot of time and effort into making that track raceable because again they're the only ones on the on the track ever uh ama no longer uses it so the karting week week is the only time it's used for racing so they put a lot of time and effort into that and it looked it looked the part because it looked like it was a really good raceable track and the nut just it just the numbers weren't there this year for some reason uh might have been because of the the change from Maxis tires to vega tires um or just it just might be something else i'm not sure so again that's that's another area uh of the event that needs to improve well nice to know david you gave us the positive that the track looked good but you're right we you know in the in the limited time i had when we had our our magazine speedway usa there's always been it's been a, the tumultuous and chaotic nature of of speedway racing depending on the tire situation tire prep whatever it may be they've they've always battled back and forth it's been tough that they that they have had trouble just kind of settling in but again as you said tires so much a part uh of any kind of dirt program that uh you know when you when you're swapping over from different tire manufacturers it, it can cause a little bit of chaos but let's wrap this up. David, thank you so much for uh, giving us and our and our EKN listenership a really good feel of the action that we saw at this year's uh, Manufacturers Cup event. And, of course, some insight into the dirt program and the road race program as well at WK Kart Week, one of the longstanding marquee events in North American karting of, uh, when carters invade the Daytona International Speedway. I still remember when I first started looking at karting books back in the library – those of you who are young and never been to a library, that's where we went to look at books. Uh, I remember thumbing through the old kart racing uh, books to learn more about it and seeing all these pictures of guys running at Daytona. I thought that was just absolutely cool. Well, that's going to cap things off for this debrief. Ladies and gentlemen, great to have you with us. We are starting our 2018 podcast program off in style. Of course, this will all be part of the EKN Radio Network. We'll get this through Podbean and out onto iTunes. Subscribe to iTunes. Make sure you get all the podcasts. In the future, our podcast, the first opportunity to listen, will be part of the EKN Radio Network. There'll be some set times, probably two or three times a day. We have that new podcast playing. You'll be able to go online on the website and listen to it uh, right straight through on the website. It'll be a 24-7 karting radio station. And very soon we'll have a, pod, or a uh, an app as well that you'll be able to listen on your phone. So just a great opportunity for us to do some stuff here with the radio component, the audio component of eCartingNews.com. 
but we hope you enjoy it. Do us a favor. When we post this up, get on there and comment below. We want to hear your comments, topics you might want to hear about in some of our, our podcasts, guys that we should interview. Take the time to comment after we post this up on Facebook. because That'll be perfect place for us to be able to go and get your input on the podcast, on the ECAN radio network, you name it. We'd love to get your feedback. We need that so that we can evolve this component of EKN to make sure our listeners are happy. So, folks, again, on behalf of David Cole, this has been Rob Howland. Thank you very much for joining us on Episode 13 of The Debrief. <laughs>